Nuclear. Now is it crick or creek? Coyote or coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this, sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petrus, and we'll dive into what we get wrong and sometimes what we get right when we try to speak this weird English language. Okay, a few weeks ago we uh, talked about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in the context of something that Sean Hannity said about her. We're going to go back to her today and actually talk about something that she herself said. She's quite uh, active on Twitter, and she got a message from the Knight First Amendment Institute at Columbia University asking her not to block Twitter users on the basis of viewpoint. Her, her response uh, had multiple parts, but the one that we want to talk about uh, is this. She said, I have 5.2 million followers. Less than 20 accounts are blocked for ongoing harassment. Okay. I think we know probably that the less than ought to be fewer than because the accounts can be divided. They're divisible. And that's usually when we use fewer rather than less. Um, my viewpoint on this is actually fairly nuanced, but I'd like just to let you two uh, begin and, and tell me. I mean, a, a if I if I'm if I'm wrong at this point, and less than is okay, um, and, and B just how you feel about this. We're actually very nuanced as well. The whole debate between less and fewer began with a British grammarian, Robert Baker, who gave suggestions on what he thought, how he thought fewer and less should be used. And he thought, as you did, Fletcher, fewer should refer to quantities that can be counted individually, less is used for collective quantities. So you have fewer cups of flour, less flour is in the in the thing you can't count little grains of flour it's interestingly though he did not present it as a this is a must do he merely he suggested as ross said and he said he should think fewer would do better no fewer seems more elegant it was it was it appears this way it was totally a question of taste on his in, in on his part so it but because since then we've gotten this like you know draconian it's got to be fewer here. It's got to be less than here, which is interesting. But that said, I mean, because I'm going to say that Ocasio-Cortez was not technically wrong in the sense that Baker said suggestions, the rule, there's no hard and fast rule in English anyway. That said, I personally winced when, when you read that again. I would definitely say fewer. And I would advise anyone I know to use less and fewer more along, more or less along the lines of Baker, even though I wouldn't castigate someone for doing it the opposite way. Well, it's like, yeah, you're in a supermarket. I always see that when they have like, you know, 15 items or le- uh, like less than 15 items or something. And I always get like a little frisson of, of no, no, no. Although there's a big debate about that less than with items, because some people are saying the items in this sense are viewed as a collective. So you can say less. And that's where we get all these sort of like tricky little questions here and there. There was some big brouhaha about that exactly. Then someone else noticed, I think, Kath, you found that, didn't you, with Tesco? Oh, yeah, British supermarkets. What they found is 10 items or less was in Tesco, 
Marks and Spencer, which is like the more upmarket chain, uses 10 items or fewer. So the implication is that the fewer sounds classier to them, so they prefer the fewer, whereas the less is for your great unwashed, if you will. But it does get confusing because, I mean, technically, as we said before, it's like non-count singulars you use less, counted counted things you use fewer but then ross found this example that flips me out ross read this one okay fletcher i want you to take uh, if you could i want you to think about this and tell us what you would use he took less he took fewer pains to convince us than i'd expected ouch Oh, okay. that hurts <laughs> even to think about. We spent 20 <laughs> minutes discussing this. Okay, okay. Going by just the, the general idea of it, about whether it's divisible or not, I don't think you can point to individual pains. So given that, I would go with less. That said, it sounds real weird. Beautifully done. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yes. You're good. You are good. That's exactly what we discovered and what we, what we discussed. Less is technically correct, but both of us would probably say horrible. fewer. It just sounds more mellifluous. And then Kathy looked up the uh, engram, didn't you, Kath? Yeah, I looked Google Books Engram Viewer where it's like how often this word that word or phrase appears in a published book. And it's only from 1800 to 2000. And initially at 1800, less pains is much, much higher. Fewer pains is, is almost non-existent. Now, if you go to 2000, they're virtually equal. So obviously, most other people agree with you and us that while less pains might be correct, it sounds just horrid. And then I looked also on the iWeb corpus, which tracks um, usage of, of phrases and words um, in online content. And I did find a fair amount of less pains, but more often than not, they're in like teachers groups, um, classics. It, it does tend to be like those that you think might be a little more rigorous about gram gram grammatical rules or so-called rules. Whereas more often than not, you found fewer pains when, when not talking about pains in your body um, in just like regular plain old sites. So I'm finding here that I'm really agreeing with both of you. Uh, so I guess we're not going to have a, a big fight here. Um, I, I like, as Ross said, I also am going to use fewer when it's quote unquote proper, uh, whether or not there's an actual rule. Uh, and I am also I am also going to change that in someone else's writing if I have the opportunity. Having said that, I'm not going to correct a uh, person um who who says less than when i personally would say fewer than although there was a time in my life i may have corrected them that uh, but there are a lot of things i used to do that i try not to do anymore so that that's all that's all fine i mean i'm i'm going to use fewer than i think i think it does sound better and whether that's just because i'm used to it or taught that that was the the correct way to do it i don't know but i think it does sound better when when we're using it again quote unquote properly uh, but zero people in the world are going to misunderstand something if someone says less than rather than fewer than. It, that's, a, that's a really good rule of thumb. Ross and I have talked about that because we're pretty flexible, as you know, with, with the so-called rules. And I think that's the most important point. Are you getting your point across? Oh, I just want to throw one thing out just quickly before we move on to another topic. I don't want to kill this, but less is also used with numbers, even though numbers are countable. 
less than 10,000, for example. Yes, I was going to ask exactly about that because I think of money. Uh, often I think, you know, you, you, you say like less than $20 right. instead of fewer than $20. Exactly. Also with measurements of time, usually less than two mm. weeks, less than five. And then units of measurement in terms of uh, like distance or something, less than four miles. We don't say fewer than four miles. I do think one thing that would go back to Fletcher too, what we hear, I think for native English speakers or extremely fluent speakers, we just sort of know what to say. I mean, in terms of countable, I would say, yes, you should say fewer with countable, but I instinctively know I would say less than $5 in my pocket. I would never say fewer than $5, just naturally without even thinking of a rule or whatever. I was also going to add that sometimes um, you can use both less and fewer depending upon your meaning, which which, which also, that's where you get into, like, you understand it if you're a native English speaker, but possibly if you're not. I mean, because less is quantity, right, as opposed to, like, number, number. So you, the example that's in front of me is his troubles are less than mine means his troubles aren't as big as mine are. His troubles are fewer than mine means he has fewer he doesn't have as many troubles as I do. It's it's a it's a it's a slight it's a difference in, in, in terms of what you're saying. That's good. I was trying to think of an example along those lines. That that's the problem with I mean learning another language. When Kathy just said that, I just had a chill. Because I'm thinking of my other languages that I claim to know. And I realize I you never really will ever, I don't think, know a language as well as you know your native language. Because that's sort of minor little uh, it just amazes me, all those little nuances in language. But speaking of which, I'm going to try to segue ourselves. I'm not going to do it very eloquently. But we're talking about exactitude. Like you said, Fletcher, earlier, the one nice thing about less than and fewer, however we use them, we can tell what is meant. And Kathy and I, after we talked about this, got back into another discussion about, and we've brought up this before, but there was some new article on it, literally versus figuratively. And that is one thing that just drives me up the wall. Everyone's, there was an article, I think it was in Merriam-Webster, saying times change, we just have to accept that literally and figuratively can be used sort of either way. And it bothers me. Does it bother you guys or not? It bothers me like crazy, and I've said that before here on the podcast. I do want to acknowledge that it, it has been used both ways for a, a very long time, which I'm sure you know. That's not it's not a new thing uh, to be using literally to mean figuratively. Well, yeah, because now what they're saying is it means used. It's it's used for emphasis. It's 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 like it's a it's a strong way of saying like I was literally howling. It's 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 just an emphasizing um, word. But the thing that I've got to admit, as much as it sets my teeth on edge, is you you typically you can really tell when if someone says I was literally steaming, you know that there wasn't steam coming out of their ears. You know that they're just trying to be some like evocative. Right. You know? So yeah. So, the, the football player literally knocked his head off. I mean that didn't happen. No, but I'm going to throw out something here though. This is what bothered me again yesterday. I tried to think of, like, what's a good substitute? Literally is a useful word, literally meaning what it means. So I looked up literally uh, synonyms on thesaurus.com, and I could not find a good word to substitute for literally. You could say really, but he really knocked his head, you know, that guy really got his head knocked off. That sounds to me like pretty much like figuratively to me. It doesn't sound like this really happened. And I looked it up. I couldn't I have actually, completely, directly, plainly, precisely, really. 
simply truly no literally is it literally is there's a there again we go back to nuance there's there's certainly like a nuanced difference between it and those yeah other. literally in its original definition i mean not to rebring this up but i'm just gonna throw it out again just looking at those synonyms literally is a really good word and i really take exception to people saying well we just, i think we have to we have to just let it go but i'm well, the way, kick and this scream. is the whole point of it. There's so many words now that are becoming acceptable with a different meaning that weren't before. I mean, for me, I mean, the one, we, well, you, we're going to talk about others in a second, but like ironic comes to mind. I mean, ironic had a very specific meaning. And now it's, I use ironic in the not technically correct, if you're going to like look at like the old fashioned way. I, I use it as an emphasis or I, I use it in that sort of hipster way like oh god that was so ironic you know as opposed to being something I mean what's the technical I've, I've got to find the technical uh, meaning of it and I do think in a case like that it's 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 so common that I really don't have an issue with it which is why I I know that there will be those who have written us actually who disagree with our our somewhat laissez-faire thing it's it means saying something or noticing something that is the opposite of what is expected with a funny or sarcastic twist and the opposite is the key point but but more often than not you use ironic not to mean opposite you mean it it's like something that's sort of like unexpected it's it's a little less than that you know what i mean but i don't think there's a problem the way i hear it a lot is is in place of something like coincidental yeah exactly I mean, like, which it's is just, wrong, it's technically. Just, yeah, it is wrong. It's just two things that happened, and and that's all. <laughs> there's no there's no irony there. No, no. It's 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 because people use it now. Yeah, people use it now. I mean, like, I don't. Boy, I didn't expect that to happen. But but that's not ironic. But see, there again, we're starting. I think we're bleeding into this this wider usage, and I personally don't have a problem with it because I suspect most people don't really know what irony exactly is. And I think that it's we're losing that, which is maybe sad, but I think we are. Yeah, and that, I mean, we have to deal with language. I mean, you know, I think they all say it. Language does change. We have to deal with it. But we do live, we don't live in a continuum. We live sort of in the moment. And in the moment, I think that certain words need to have more precise definitions or need to stick with them. Another one, Kathy and I, we put it in the book, and it, it, I recently heard it again, theory. Theory now means a lot of times in the public mind, kind of like an idea, a hypothesis. I've heard, oh, the theory of evolution, evolution is just a theory. But a theory really is an organized set of um, testable ideas that explains something that we can test. It's much more advanced than just sort of, a, hey, that, that's probably a good guess. Is that just a function of the word having essentially a different meaning in the scientific context, the actual scientific context here is a scientific theory versus um, the you know the more uh, popular context. I mean, d does the word actually have a different meaning given the context, or are we just wrong when we use theory to mean idea? Well, I'm just looking at it. Here's a here's just a, here's a quick definition: theory, a supposition or a system of ideas intended to explain something especially one based on general principles independent of the thing to be explained. So that sounds like it's fairly organized in a typical definition of the word. But I think in science it's even it's even harder than that. Like I I think I think theory is something far more accepted than even what you've um expressed right there. I think you're right. Accepted by the general scientific community, I mean. But I mean again we go to Cambridge, yeah. But Cambridge has the same sort of thing, a formal set, a statement of rules on which a subject of study is based. Well, that's the whole thing. The key is always the large body of evidence behind it. It's yeah. Like, it's something testable with evidence behind it. 
Yeah, so someone when someone says, oh, it's only a theory, they're really misusing the word, and they don't understand the word. I mean, they could say, I'm, I'm, I oppose the theory of evolution based on X, Y, or Z, but that's different than the sort of pejorative, oh, it's only a theory. It's, it's very organized. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a misunderstanding of what theory means in a real scientific context and what it means just in, in general speech. And I would argue in that case, I agree with you, Fletcher, because as it's used in, in regular general speech, I think we all understand what's being said when you say that's just a theory. It, 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 the, the implication is that it's not, it hasn't been totally proven. Right, because I'll say, I have a theory about that. Yeah, you're right. right? Mm-hmm. You do. When you're really saying, I have a supposition about that. Yeah. Yeah, so that's why I think Richard Dawkins has a good idea. He says his idea is to reuse the word theory or change the word theory in science for something else. I don't know what you want to use the word, but change that word. Keep theory meaning what we sort of think of it as, and then change the word for uh, scientific thought. Probably a good idea. Although, can't you have it? I mean, words do coexist with two different meanings. So can't, like, the science theory, like, in science theory definition be fine, and then the in public usage, the more colloquial um, theory be correct, too? Why change the word? Because in this case, it's caused actual real-world damage to misunderstand the difference. Yes. That's true. Okay. I'll give you that. Because people are taking that theory, that scientific theory, and applying the other definition that we use in normal popular, you know, normal conversation, which undermines or under understates then the the scientific theory, right? And then people are able to use it, you know, to 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 their own ends, which are completely counter to to what uh, what it ought to be used for. Okay, you guys are making a very good point. But then there's some because that was the other one that that's been getting me, and because I saw an article, as Miriam Webster said, um, I think I tweeted it uh, about a few weeks ago. They're saying, you know, lectern and podium. Um, a lectern is the uh, thing that holds the papers, and a podium is what you're standing on. And everyone tends to say, or not everyone, many people say podium instead. And Merriam-Webster said, okay, like all of you grammar nuts who are like getting annoyed at people for saying, they, you know, they pounded the podium, it's okay. It's been, it's been used to mean that for so long, it's fine. And that is, again, we know it doesn't harm anyone, unlike theory. So theoretically, we should accept lectern to mean podium, since that's what it's been used as so long. But then we go back to what Ross was saying with, like, literally and figuratively. It's, such, it's a different word. Yeah, I go back and forth on that one, too. I agree. Because, I, I mean, podium comes from the Greek. Uh, the podium is like, you know, pedal, foot, foot. So it's easy to remember because, you, you know, you put your foot down, you put your bipedal or whatever, you put your foot on the podium. And then lectern, you know, you can think of reading or whatever. So, uh, lectorium, classical word in Latin. So I guess it's okay to change it, but I, I'm there. Part there's part of me that likes precision in words, like Kathy does, and I I'm going to stick with podium and lectern being different things. What do you think, Fletcher? I I love precision in language. I mean, I think it's one of the wonderful things about having so many words. Uh, I do also think that we need to acknowledge when it's just not harming anyone, and we can continue to use these words ourselves. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm almost never going to use the word lector, and I I mean I pretty much say podium, and people know what I mean. If I if I were to say something like go please go put these papers on the lectern, uh, then I guess I would hope the person I was speaking to knew what I meant by lectern. Um, but, but I could easily just say, you know, go put, 
go put them on the podium and they're going to know exactly would you what say I'm podia saying. as a, as a <laughs> no, no i would not <laughs> okay me neither um but i don't really i mean i don't know how often i'm talking about more than one podium anyway um, <laughs> uh, i guess i guess you could be having a political debate or something then you'd be you know but those would all be lecterns and, and you, you you see that every now and then somebody will be like haha no those are lecterns that everyone's standing at and fine but how many people really know that uh, is it is it that big a deal probably not i don't think it is i'm either. with you i'm with you on liking precision in language i mean just as someone who likes language uh and and wants to as you can tell here as i try to formulate my thought and find the precise words <laughs> you know someone who wants to get across the i the idea that i i really mean i don't want ambiguity in, in what i'm saying and so i've often uh in my life gone back mid-sentence and corrected a word that that I used so that I could be more precise. And this frustrates a lot of people around me. And so I, I've tried to do it less and less, but but I'm still guilty of it. No, I think we're both the same way. We both like it. I mean, obviously, words have multiple meanings, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I think I do like to try to choose the right word. Speaking of actually speaking of that, though, sometimes you can overdo it. Like, I think we I think we talked about this before, but we were on a radio show recently. We got another call on Decimate. And our take mm-hmm. is, and we said it on the, we've said it before, and we'll say it again, is that decimate now really means destruction. It doesn't literally mean, you know, de- decum ten. It doesn't literally mean to destroy one tenth of something or another. And I think we all agree on that, don't we? Yes, yes, we do. And 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 as as of course you know, there's a there's a long and twisty history about that word and 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 why it you know why it meant to 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 reduce by one tenth but also how it how it shifted uh, but but yeah i'm i'm with you i mean that's changed you know it sorry everybody who who really wants it to be reduced by one tenth but who uses it that way why would anybody say that anymore it's the same thing with myriad they say that myriad um specifically referred to uh ten things that ten thousand was the number i mean and no one no one says like there were myriad one you know <laughs> problems with that you know, I, I think that that is a case where it's changed to such a degree that we just have to accept everything. Well, actually, on that note, salary comes from the Latin salarium, which refers to salt, because Roman soldiers were either paid in salt or paid to buy salt. But I don't, you know, I don't think of getting my salary and, uh, you know, I don't think of salary. Kathy goes, oh, I have a good salary. I don't think of mounds of salt at her house, obviously. So words do definitely change. <laughs> and my salary's not that great anyway. <laughs> salt shaker, maybe. The thing that's so interesting with English, we go back to the changing um, words. I mean, so many words that we now use without thinking about it meant something completely different initially. And we're not aware of that because they're just so used as they are. I mean, we've talked about awesome. I mean, like how technically awesome used now is silly. But silly used to mean, for example, things that were worthy, like good things. Then it became the weak and the vulnerable who needed to be blessed. And now it's like silly foolish. I mean, that's like one of those trajectories that we use silly now and no one even thinks about the initial meaning. And and all along through the history of that word, I guarantee there were people up in arms decrying the fact that the word was changing. Mm-hmm. I bet. Absolutely. Absolutely. I didn't know this. I'm sorry. I was just looking at the list I had pulled out of things. Fizzle initially meant, and I'm quoting, act of producing quiet flatulence. Who <laughs> 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 oh, knew? <laughs> Makes sense, though, actually, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, fizzling out in that case as a, takes on a new and, and, and rather smelly <laughs> concept. <laughs>
One thing about this that that I find really bothers me a lot is uh, going back to that uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tweet. Laura Ingram responded to her just with the word fewer. Right. And so she was correcting her. But 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 in the same in the same breath, essentially, she was also completely dismissing what Ocasio-Cortez was saying. And this is something that I see on Twitter a whole lot and on the Internet more generally is people completely dismissing an, an actual argument because of some tiny little language problem, whether it's less than instead of fewer than or or even and, and this is, you know, not good, but people people spelling out the word your y o u r instead of your y o u apostrophe r e, and and people take that and completely dismiss what the other person is saying because of that tiny little language problem. And I think that's I think that's kind of toxic. I think you're absolutely right. I think that I mean it's the so-called grammar police, if you will, or whatever you want to call them. And I think seizing on that to ostensibly prove their own intelligence ends up killing communication. I mean, literally, because it stops it in its tracks. I mean, like in the case of AOC and Laura Ingram, it's like she didn't, she didn't respond to the argument about harassment or, um, you know, that sort of thing. Is, is, this, is this censorship, et cetera? Instead, she just made it like, ha, that's it, bye. And I think that you're seeing more and more of that, especially comments, as you said, comments in, um, on, at the end of articles, which speaks to twofold. One, that, that why you should try to be as careful as you can, because you do end up getting or damaging your own point of view. You end up damaging your argument because people are busy going, ha ha, you're an idiot. You didn't know how to spell that. You know what I mean? On the other hand, I think that the person who's just going fewer or your um, or, you know, whatever is is ruining everything. On the other hand, by, by trying to be so snarky, they're killing the conversation as well. So I think we we, we have to have, I think, um, on both sides, we have a job, I think, which is to remain polite, to try to be as clear as possible and to not if you have to if you feel the need to correct, correct, but then get back to the point, I say. And I, I agree, but I think Kathy's first point, speaking as both of us are writers, that first point I think is also important. A lot of times people who have this, you know, very happy thing of anything goes, language is always changing, that's fine. And if you're, you know, if you're in an academic environment and have tenure, you don't have to worry about it. But if you're in the street writing for a living, it pays to be fairly accurate and fairly quote-unquote prescriptive is correct to some degree or another. I'm not going to criticize those who are not, but I do think Kathy and I both feel that we pretty much better stick to um, what is considered correct English. I think we're talking here about we're accepting the fact that words change. We're accepting the fact, I mean, it's like that meanings change. I mean, it's like, you know, of course we have to accept it. We have no other choice. But I think to some degree we can also strive for like in the moment um, accuracy, and I think we should we should do that. I think that, for example, we have things like figuratively, literally, nonplussed or decimate or whatever. We should try to like I think to some degree stick with the meaning that others will understand clearly. And if we don't think they will, I would advise not using the word nonplussed. I mean to bring back something we have mentioned before, but he was completely nonplussed by the storm. Because nonplussed has two different meanings, and we cannot tell right now from how I said that the context. It either means he was very calm by the storm, or he was gobsmacked by the storm. 
And in that sense, we're not being, we're not really saying anything. I think we should eschew the word until we get a definite meaning back with that word. Yeah, in, in us trying to be accurate, we're actually making things more ambiguous because we're not necessarily talking or, to someone who is going to understand it in the same way because it's changing right now. Precisely. I would not use nonplus to mean the other meaning of unfazed, nor would I use literally to mean figuratively. Not because necessarily I'm not accepting the fact that they're changing, but right now we're in that process of change, and I think it's dangerous to write where we're afraid that people may not understand us. But then we're saying, but things like lectern and podium, there's no, why not? I mean, everybody thinks of a lectern as a podium, and just to, in, the, in, the, in the spirit of being credibly technically correct, it doesn't matter. Right. But since I know the difference, I'm going to use it correctly, but it does, I'm not going to be worried if someone does Correct it. someone if they say, put this on the podium. Mm -hmm. Okay. So essentially, essentially strive for for accuracy and precision in our own language if if we're if we recognize uh, the differences, but also be generous to others uh, who may or may not recognize those same differences. Exactly. Correct. That's that know. is very good. <laughs> <laughs> it's fizzling out, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we need we need compassion in this world. Uh, why not start with our language? I actually think that's a really, I want that on a t-shirt. <laughs> this episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod or email me at Powell at KMUW.org. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or even a review at Apple Podcasts. The book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press, and you can find that and Kathy and Ross Petrus's newest book, That Doesn't Mean What You Think It Means, at your local independent bookstore. Kathy and Ross have written a lot more. They've got a number of other things either coming out soon or in the works. You can check out their other work through their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks. Oh, and one more thing. You may be familiar with the British humorist and actor Stephen Fry, or at least I hope you are. He's an immense delight. Anyway, I was poking around about this less and fewer thing, and I came across this bit on YouTube that's, I think, from some podcast he did, where he talks for a while about how frustrated he gets with people who take so much pleasure in correcting others on the right or wrong way to use the English language, and how little joy those people seem to actually take in the language they profess to love. It's all worth hearing. Fry is so engaging, and he's a wonderful intellect, frankly, way smarter than all ever be. And so I certainly take his words to heart. And he's got a pretty good viewpoint on how we should generally approach all this precision versus generosity and language stuff. Go look it all up yourself. Search YouTube for Stephen Fry language. You should find it. Although you might have to add the word typography for reasons that should become clear. Okay, but to the point, he had this tiny little thing to say about less and fewer, and it sort of gets to his larger point, And he says it better than I'd ever dream. So I'll just leave you with the words of Stephen Fry. When asked to join in a let's persuade this supermarket chain to get rid of their five items or less sign, I never join in. Yes, I am aware of the technical distinction between less and fewer, and between uninterested and disinterested, and infer and imply, and all the rest of them, but none of these are of importance to me. None of these are of importance, I said there. You'll notice the old pedantic me would have insisted on none of them is of importance.
but I'm glad to say I've outgrown that silly approach to language. Oscar Wilde, and there have been few greater and more complete lords of language in the past thousand years, once included with a manuscript he was delivering to his publishers a compliment slip in which he had scribbled the injunction, I'll leave you to tidy up the woulds and shoulds, wills and shalls, thats and witches, etc., which gives us all encouragement to feel less guilty. I can't deny that a small part of me still clings to a ghastly Radio 4 newspaper letter-writer pedantry, but I, I fight against it in much the same way I try to fight against my gluttony, anger, selfishness and other vices.